Welcome to Raising a Beautiful Mind, the podcast where we have real conversations about youth mental health to empower families and transform systems. With guest Elena Breeze, a Boston Marathon bombing survivor and mental health advocate. All right, so in this episode, I'm super excited to be able to introduce Elena Breeze. Elena is a blogger and a mental health advocate and has done the speaking circuit and had lots and lots of interviews, and we will get to hear why. Elena, why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about how your life and mental health intersected? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm a wife, a mother. And I happen to be a Boston Marathon bombing survivor as well. And that's kind of where that is where my trauma happened. And I was diagnosed three and a half years later with PTSD symptoms when I was voluntarily hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And I've worked very hard every day since to heal and grow from my experience at the finish line. Yeah, that's a a tremendous moment in time, a life-changing moment. Do you feel like talking about any of that? Because I know- Oh yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. I've been through a lot of trauma therapy, EMDR therapy. I still go. I'm still uncovering things about myself. So I'm able to talk about it pretty pretty freely now. (laughs) Okay. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that moment what that experience was like. Yeah. So, um, I was at the marathon because my husband was running. He was about two and a half miles from the finish line. Um, when the bombs went off, I was with my brother-in-law in standing in the, um, stands directly across the street from where the first bomb went off. And there were about 12 seconds between the two bombs. And so, um, I mean, those seconds now I can really slow them down and remember, you know, the sights, the sounds. Um, I remember seeing, you know, the way the people across the street from me were reacting to the bombing. Um, And it just, those moments really shattered um, my safety bubble that we all have going through life until something kind of pops it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, my kids were very small. They were three and six months old. So when we got back to Phoenix, I was just really focused on being a mom and trying to forget like everything that I had been through there and move on with my life. Right. But, um, our bodies and brains aren't programmed to do that. And I think for a lot of people, the, the PTSD symptoms can manifest differently. I, I know a lot of people who, have now drinking issues or drug issues or, you know, and that's how they're coping. But for me, a lot of my trauma came out in um, somatic symptoms. So I was having a lot of body symptoms. I felt really just, I felt sick basically um, for three and a half years. And then the symptoms over that period of time, just kind of escalated to nightmares, sleep disturbances, Mm -hmm. unending anxiety and depression. 
And it got to the point where I was afraid to go to sleep because I was having such bad nightmares. And then I kind of stopped eating in the midst of that too. So the not sleeping coupled with the not eating, I think just kind of um, put me on the fast track to uh, needing emergency mental health. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, first, I'm so sorry that you've had to go through this. Nobody deserves to go through any trauma. I can't even begin to imagine how scary that was in that moment, but how scary the aftermath was too, because I think sometimes people think trauma, you go through it and then you just move on and Mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way. Trauma embeds in every cell of our bodies. And Mm -hmm. so when you were experiencing some of these symptoms, did you know at the time, I mean, were you connecting the dots? I was not. I was not connecting. Yeah. I, I think I had never really had mental health challenges before that. I had a bit of postpartum with my daughter, but it wasn't top of mind because my I had just had my son and I had felt fine. <laughs> so I wasn't um, having, you know, those symptoms a second time around. And, um, but I, even after with my postpartum, I was able to really work through it with exercise and, um, take care of myself. And then I was able to get better. So I had never had, um, like prolonged mental health challenges before, um, the bombing. And I just, I think because the symptoms were so bad, but I was so far removed from the bombing. I was like three and a half years out. Right. (laughs) Um, I just was not making the connection back. And I don't know, PTSD wasn't um, wasn't talked about as much in the media at that point. I mean, this is 2016. So we didn't really have celebrities talking about PTSD yet. Um, all of the information surrounding the discussion was very military and veteran focused. Mm. Um, and so I just, here I was a suburban housewife, mom worker. (laughs) I was in marketing at the time and I just did not think it was something that could affect me. Um, and so when I was hospitalized and they basically told me there, we, we think you have PTSD and, and we're going to stabilize you and then you're going to leave and you need to, you need to find like a trauma therapist. And they kind of gave me like a few computer, like print offs about PTSD, but they really did not have a lot to give me. And, um, so that's where I started. My, my journey was in the hospital because my experience was so bad there. And, um, it kind of just it lit a fire within me to like fight for myself because I I knew no one else would do it the way it needed to be done. 
I am so glad and I'm so proud of you. And I'm so inspired because I think one of the hardest things in our world, unfortunately, when it comes to mental health is there's still such a stigma. And so if I'm having a, you know, a heart emergency, I go to the doctor. I don't think mm-hmm. twice. If I'm in the middle of an asthmatic attack, if I have insulin shock, these are all things I go to the hospital for. I don't think twice. And a mental health emergency is the same thing. It's a medical, nobody wakes up one day and goes, you know, I think it'd be really fun to have depression or to be in crisis. Nobody does that. It's because it's an involuntary medical condition that requires treatment just like anything else. Mm -hmm. So your point though, about getting the little handouts on the way out, I think that's the experience that many people have. Can you talk about, I'm out of curiosity, you know, when they say you need to find a trauma therapist and was it as easy as you just found somebody and it was good and okay. I wondered because I was going to be excited for you if it was, do you, can you talk about what that is? Yeah. I mean, I had to kiss a lot of frogs before I found my prince in, in the therapy world, I guess. Um, yeah, the first therapist well they made the appointment for me so when I got out I had to have these appointments to go to the first person that I went to basically did not believe I needed EMDR therapy um and I don't really know if she was a skilled uh person to practice it anyway I think it it does take a lot of training and skill to administer that kind of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think not that it was so new, but people were just kind of starting to talk about EMDR therapy and, and it being different or like cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I saw her and, um, and then she left the practice and I got pushed to somebody else who didn't, I just wasn't, I wasn't getting better. I mean, I, I was still crying over the bombing as if it had just happened. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't moving past it. I was having still a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and my symptoms were not getting much better. Um, And then I found a practice near me Um, and a woman who specialized in treating veterans and first responders, um, an EMDR therapist. I, and I, um, reached out to her and she accepted to take me on because of my trauma. Um, and now we've been together almost seven years. So it's, um, it's hard. You have to like, you're not going to find the right therapist right away. And it makes the struggle even more discouraging and exhausting because you're already so tired with what you're going through. Right. And frustrating and hopeless. Like when you're like, I'm desperately wanting help. Why is this so hard to find somebody? And I think, you know, you bring up a really good point that I think a lot of people don't realize too, is that not all therapists have the same training, not Mm -hmm. all therapists. um, And unfortunately, you know, there's a great book by Dr. Thomas Insel. He used to be the head of the NIMH. It's called Healing Our Path from Mental Illness to Mental Health. And he talks about how 
you know, we don't need more therapists. We need more mental health professionals that are highly trained and rigorously trained to be able to assess their patients coming in and provide Mm -hmm. them treatment based on what their needs are. So not all patients should be getting CBT. Not everybody should just be doing EMDR. Not everybody should, shouldn't be one trick pony. And if Mm -hmm. you aren't able to assess that, to be able to help provide adequate treatment, then you're, that person's not going to be any better off. Mm-hmm. And I think you're a great example of you could do CBT till you're blue in the face, but for you, EMDR was really, it sounds like the game changer. It was, but also I want to emphasize that I put together a team of doctors who were going to take care of me. It was like, and I say this a lot, I became the CEO of my own healing I found an acupuncturist who specializes in mental health treatment, a naturopathic doctor who could look at me from that perspective. I worked with a very holistic psychiatrist and still do. Um, so, and, and, and on top of that, I exercise a lot. I eat well, I get good rest like this. You have to come at PTSD from so many angles. It's not just therapy. It's it's like a myriad of 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 modalities that you need to explore in order to heal. I don't know. Yeah, I love this yeah. because uh-huh. this is a huge huge thing this holistic view that just doing one little thing isn't going to be the cure all. Mm-hmm. Did you have, I mean, cause you, you mentioned that you had to kiss a bunch of frogs to get to mm-hmm. the Prince for therapy, but right off the bat, were you forming your own team? Did that come after mm-hmm. trial and error? What did that look like? No. Yeah. I mean, when you leave a mental hospital, they, they basically get you into all these doctors right away. Like you, you can't leave there unless you have appointments with different people who are going to now take over your care. And none of the people that they referred me to were good. (laughs) So I had to really spend a lot of time um, and effort finding who I felt comfortable um, to take care of me. Yeah. And, um, because when you're in that state, you're almost like a newborn, you know, and you need, you need people to like love on you and take care of you. And not everyone, um, approaches their practice or their patients that way. And, um, so I was fortunate that I, I was able to find incredible, incredible people who still, they all still take care of me to this day. So I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, when when you were discharged, it is usually standard practice that the hospital will make sure that you have follow-up appointments, but they weren't helping you with holistic appointments, were they? No. Acupuncture. Okay. No. That was something. No, I uncovered all of that okay. um, as I went through the process of talking to people, asking a lot of questions. Um I pretty much started with a naturopathic doctor and she was able to really help direct me in some areas and find an acupuncturist and, um, and find a holistic psychiatrist. Like we were able to put it together, but 
you have to like ask the questions you have to advocate for yourself that's that's the hardest part (laughs) it is navigating is a nightmare so Mm -hmm. what do you think the you know and maybe it's hard to guess what it would be like without, but you really have a very comprehensive response, a very holistic response, and you're hitting all sorts of marks. What would it look like if you didn't? Have you tried to not, you know, just do therapy or not do anything versus yeah. what does it do for you to have all of those elements? Well, the best example is medication for me. Um you know, the medications they had me on in the hospital were really bad for me. I mean, I left there worse than when I got there. Um, and my naturopathic doctor helped me for many years, treat myself naturally. Um, and then in 2021, I felt I had exhausted, um, all of what I was willing to do anymore. I was, I was getting to a, another challenging place with my healing journey. And I just knew I needed more stability, um, with my anxiety and depression. And, um, I then started working with a psychiatrist and found, um, medications. We did, um, some genetic testing before she even prescribed and that, dwindled down like the whole list of medications that would even work with my metabolism. And, um, and so I've been working with her ever since, and I've been able to capture greater balance in my moods, um, uh, that I wasn't able to do holistically. So, um, I think what it takes is an open-mindedness, um, a willingness to, to try anything and do anything if it means you might heal even if it's just five percent five percent is something um and maybe not all of these things will work for you now but maybe as your as life goes on and as your body changes um maybe they will so it's hard because it's ever changing I think that's that's what it is <laughs> I could it go is. on and on and on about it. Yeah. No, but it is hard because it's like, you know, my own therapist, I say sometimes, I'm like, oh, I feel like, I, you know, I'm in this healing thing. And she said, yeah, you might be now, but just remember, it's kind of like this, you know, yeah. and you don't hit a line where everything then is okay. And I can right. step out of this. It becomes part of who you are, mm-hmm. especially in being able to, you know, when we say self-care, I push back on that because I think it's so commercialized that people think mm-hmm. if I just take a bath and light a candle, I'm good. But it really has to be about so multifaceted, how we approach Mm. life, how we take care of ourselves. And that's why your comprehensive holistic approach, but also being open-minded and saying, you know, I need more than that. At the end of the day, that's the best thing for you because it's hitting what you really need. That's true self-care is doing what we need to Mm. make sure that we're, we're healthy. And that's hard. Cause it's not yeah, like and a I, destination. I also think 
it's not just about things that you add to your life. It's also about things that you take away. (laughs) Um, And this is a part people don't like to hear. um, But I have been sober for seven years. So I, I never really had an alcohol abuse issue, but I was definitely propping myself up with caffeine and alcohol um, when I was sick. So I would have a couple drinks at night to help myself sleep, even though it didn't help. (laughs) And then when I didn't sleep well, I would use caffeine during the day and then I would feel awful and anxious and jittery. So like I have not had coffee or alcohol in seven, it was seven years in July. Um, and also people, like I had to get rid of a lot of people that weren't, Um, They just were not going to come along with me on the healing journey. I actually had a friend who believed that like the bombing really didn't happen, that it was like a staged thing. And she told me this. So again, like you have to draw boundaries in your life and eliminate things. Eliminating things also helps you heal. Yeah. And that's tough. I know. Yeah. I can laugh about it now, but it was, it was not easy. No, I, there's so much right there. Like first congratulations. Cause that's not easy, you know, and whether there's a problem or not to just cut things out of our lives, whether it's Mm -hmm. coffee and booze or it's friends, but at the same time, your story, um, just what your friend said that, you know, Mm -hmm. a trauma upon a trauma, Mm -hmm. um, and how unfortunate that was, but how brilliant you were to protect yourself with a boundary on that, because after everything that you had been through to have that other layer of a trauma mm-hmm. added, ew, ick. Yeah. And I have survivor friends whose marriages haven't survived this. I mean, look, it's, it goes much deeper and farther than just a friend saying that. Um, I've been fortunate, like my husband and I have made it through. We've worked really hard, but it is not easy. And it's not easy also being a parent um, while you're managing this too. So Yeah, talk about that. Yeah. That's something that I wondered because at the time you had two very little, little ones and you know, they weren't with you, right? No, they were, they were not. They were right. here home. Right. Yeah. But coming back and as a parent, there's this, you know, obligation that you have to continue to take care of them. But at that point you had, I, I can't even imagine how you were possibly taking care of yourself. How did that all go? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think I did it well to tell you the truth. Um, I struggled for a long time with that. And I think, um, also going on medication has helped that I'm able to be so much more present with them. And, um, yeah, I, I do. If, if any, if I ever had any anger about the bombing in my life, it's, it's, it is really, sorry, it's emotional. Um, it is acknowledging the pain that it, it caused me as a mom and, and my, with my children. Um, yeah, sorry. No, please. (laughs) I think that's what has been the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine not being emotional and I appreciate (laughs) that you're willing to be vulnerable and share 
some of the hardest moments, probably the hardest moment of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think therapy has been so good in that because it's given me so much awareness, mm-hmm. um, about things I could have done better or, um, differently. And I just have to give myself grace and yeah. realize that I was caring a lot then. And, um, and I did my best. Yes. Yes. And what a gift to give your kids. You know, you didn't ask for any of this. They will always know that, but to be able to see their mom fight like hell for herself, that's such a legacy. You know, when we think about teaching, you know, the, the, all the lessons we teach our kids, you know, over the course of a lifetime, there's a lot of them, but this one is such a huge one. That's a guarantee going to change their lives. And one day when they need to get help or they need to reach out or they're not going to think twice because they saw their badass mom fight (laughs) to surround herself with such a holistic, amazing team. And they know what health looks like. And I don't think, you know, parents as parents, we don't always do that for our kids. And so while yes, it has clearly been such a tragedy for your family I do wonder if there's this underlying gift, though, that your kids will get that not everybody gets too. Well, we, um, we, so my husband obviously didn't finish in 2013. He didn't finish the marathon and that's, you know, hard. (laughs) That was hard, Hmm. but we, we went back for the five-year anniversary of the bombing and we took the kids with us. And so we were all at the finish line together when he finished. And it was a good, um, it was a really good way for us to show them that um, we can do hard things. We can, um, we wanted them to see us doing something hard and finishing. And I think for both of us, it was very hard to be there. (laughs) I mean, it was hard for him to run that far and it, the weather was horrible that day and it was hard for me to stand there too. So, um, yeah, we, I'm happy we've brought them along on this ride. It's been worthwhile for sure. Yeah. I got goosebumps yeah. like the size of Texas <laughs> up and down my body when you were just talking about that, that had to have been such a powerful, but did it feel cathartic at all? You know, was it therapeutic? It was very, it was very peaceful to go back. And, um, and the year before that we were, we were able to connect with a large group of, um, survivors, other survivors. And that has been hugely cathartic for me. Um, to not have like carry the loneliness on my own of this survivor experience. Um, So I think having them there, having that group around us and their love and obviously all of our friends and family giving us their love, it was very peaceful for both of us to be there. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think that, you know, that support is so critical, but it, has to look different, right? Like friends and family that weren't there Mm -hmm. versus survivors or other people that have experienced some sort of a trauma, whether it was there or not, Mm -hmm. you know, how, because I know I've helped support family and friends too. And if you haven't gone through something, you know, it, 
it just it hits different than finding a community of other people that have been through something what was the journey of that support you know of course I imagine you have all sorts of people that were wrapping you in love as it all happened but especially in the long run you know how does that support change how what does that look like now oh gosh um so it was 2015 wait 17 I'm trying to think of the years now they've gone so fast 2017 um and Uh, My husband read an article in the Boston Globe about a survivor who was also standing in the bleachers. She could have been standing next to me. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And she has a very similar story with PTSD. And um, so I read the article. I contacted her right away um, through... I don't even know how I just Googled her name and then somehow it led me to her. And she said, I have to get you in touch with this group called strength to strength. And they support victims of terror all over the world. And you have to come, you have to be a part of it. Like it has helped me so much. So um, we happen to be going back to Massachusetts at the time of the anniversary of the bombing that year. And I was able to connect with a lot of the Boston people there and it was incredible. And, um, and then I, within a few months met the woman who started the group. Her name is Sari Singer. She survived a bus attack in Israel 20 years ago. And she puts together through strength to strength retreats a couple of times a year for victims all over the world. And my husband and I were fortunate to go to a retreat that following November. So April, I met everyone. And by November, we're at this retreat in New York City, meeting all of these survivors and hearing everybody's stories. And it was so powerful for him to have the support of other spouses there and bereaved family members and, you know, like he needed that support to know, um, that he wasn't alone. And I, I don't even with, and with these people, I don't even have to really explain how I'm feeling. They just know we have like this shared knowing. And, um, the thing I love so much about strength to strength is they partner us up with other survivors and that kind of becomes like your buddy. And my buddy, his name is Tom. He's a 9-11 survivor. And we're able to just really take care of each other and um, always, you know, have our phones on and ready to receive each other's calls or texts. And yeah, so that's kind of how we've (laughs) gotten to know other people who've been through something like this and the way that they have embraced our family and our kids and they watched them grow it has just been really really huge for all of us so wow yeah that's amazing and then you have your family and friends too that I imagine have been through it all with you this whole time yes yeah that's amazing 
So earlier you mentioned, and I'm going to go back a, a hot sec here, EMDR, and not everybody knows what that is. Can you talk about what your experience has been with EMDR, eye desensitization, no, eye movement, eye desensitization, movement, re- and reprocessing. Reprocessing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so EMDR, there's a couple of different ways that I have um it has been presented to me in the last several years so it's either with um vibrating tap like paddles that you hold lights in your eyes sounds in your ears that are alternating and now my therapist uses a lot of like kind of like a wand to confuse my confuse me while it's happening mm-hmm. but also she'll have me like tap different parts of my body say different words I don't know all of this happening while you are working on a memory or a trigger mm-hmm. to understand what that trigger means in your life or to desensitize the trigger um, so that the information isn't um, causing you anxiety or depression or unrest anymore, basically. And um, so all of that sensory overload basically desensitizes the brain and helps you create n- new neural pathways and helps your brain process, reprocess um, whatever trauma you've had. And so- And the experience for you, it sounds like has been life-changing. Yeah. I, like I said, I've seen her for a while and I just saw her, um, middle of last month and I had one of the biggest aha moments I've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, it has helped me gain so much awareness about myself and, um, yeah. I mean, it, it's exhausting, mm-hmm. but it is very effective. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So I always like to say through pain, then comes purpose. Mm-hmm. And you have taken a devastating tragedy and you have turned it into something beautiful and your website on a side note is gorgeous. <laughs> I was, you. was, I messaged you yesterday when I was going I through your stuff just to look at it. I was like, this is the most beautiful website. And it just <laughs> is you. so not just visually appealing, but I could spend all day on there learning about you and the things that you've done. So still blooming me.com. Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you know, your experience has resulted in and, you know, where you've, what you've done and where you're heading with it. I think it's, it, it needs to be elevated because you've done some tremendous things. Oh my gosh. Well, I, you know, the way it started really was out of the hospital. I was searching online, you know, for information about PTSD. And again, like I said, and rightfully so, the conversation and the information was very met, uh, like veteran military focused. And um, I didn't see myself represented in the conversation. And, and so I decided, well, then I can just build this and maybe I'll just start sharing 
like things that I'm doing, if it's acupuncture or the call me go device, which is a breathing device that I love or certain natural supplement or whatever it is, I'm just going to share my experience. Even if it's bad, like even if I'm not feeling better or I'm having a crappy day, I'm like, I'm just going to share it here. And, um, I didn't really think it would go anywhere. <laughs> I just thought, um, I just thought it would be cathartic and creative and a place where I could share. And so far I have readers in like, oh my God, so many countries. Everywhere. Everywhere. And I've written for Maria Shriver a few times. I've contributed to many other blogs and mental health publications. And I speak to wonderful people like you all the time. And if... I think where I am with it now is I remember when I was at my sickest and I really needed like an example of someone who, who had been through that, who had come out the other side and was living their beautiful life alongside PTSD. I needed that. I needed that example. And, um, and I, I did get that in so many of my survivor friends. And so I feel now if I can be that for other people, even if they're on the other side of the country of the world or whatever, um, that that's, that's my goal and that's what I want to do. So, yeah. So I just keep going. <laughs> I love it. And you have reached so many people. What would you say is your biggest learning piece that you've learned, whether it's engaging with others from others doing this, because you've been, you've had still blooming me, even though you thought yeah. of it in the hospital, when did yeah. you, it come to fruition? <clears throat> I started publishing in January of 2017. Okay. So in that so. time, what are some of your takeaways that you've learned? Oh so much. I know, right. We probably I mean, need a few more hours. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm learning a lot right now because I am starting to do a lot more with the blog. It, it will be changing and growing here in the next year. Um, I'm kind of at a place now where I don't know how to reach more people. I haven't really explored that. And so things will be changing technically like that um, in the future. The content won't change really. Um, the things I've learned about myself are, you know, <laughs> that life is crazy. It's hard and people are reaching out and are sharing. And that's really what motivates me to keep sharing because there are times in this where I've thought, well, maybe that's, maybe I've shared it all. Maybe I've done enough. And then someone will reach out and, and ask for a resource or, um, or advice. And then it just kind of re-motivates me. So I think like anything in life, it, you're always, if you're not growing and changing, then it, it's life is stagnant. So that's kind of where I'm at with still blooming me. And I'm excited for what it, for what's to come. I think it's going to grow even more. I love that. Yeah. And I think it is such a vital resource. You know, you mentioned when this all started, there weren't a lot of people talking about PTSD outside mm -hmm. of military wars, mm -hmm. um, conflicts. And 
while we're making advancements, we have a long ways to go, right? And so a lot of people and a lot of families that I work with are always trying to seek resources. If if you were to give advice to a person that had a loved one, whether it was their child or a partner or just a friend, you know, that had experienced some sort of a trauma, what would your advice to them be to support that person? Oh my gosh. I would say that we are so lucky right now to be living with PTSD or um, have someone in our lives who has PTSD because so much research is going into PTSD. So much money is going into different resources that are, are available. I mean, it is incredible what I see in the people that I work with now. Um, you can stay home for the rest of your life and there are great resources available to you to help you heal. Um, I can share a few rewire therapy. They offer um, these workshops that you can use from the comfort of your own home to heal. So they have basal vagal toning classes, sleep workshops, um, they even have classes tailored to certain specific traumas like sexual assault and abuse. Um, incredible world-renowned trauma specialists are teaching these. And you can literally chime in on your own time from your own home. You don't even have to get out of bed. And there are people that can help you through this. Um, Space of Mind is another great resource I love. They offer virtual support groups. So they have so many different support groups. I just took one two weeks ago called From Triggered to, I forget what it was called, <laughs> From Triggered to Calm or something like that. It had a, maybe a little bit more of a creative name, <clears throat> but we worked with a somatic healer who ran a breathwork meditation for us on a Sunday afternoon from London. She was in London. I was in Phoenix and I participated in it and it was incredible from the comfort of my own home. Um, I am also working with a company right now called Telesage or Sage SR. They have an online um, mental health screening um, questionnaire that you can take. It takes about 20 minutes. It's literally a $15 questionnaire and it will give you a detailed report that you can share with your doctor or therapist. And it basically diagnoses you. They diagnose about 35 different mental health um, uh, challenges. So these are just a few of the things that I love. There are apps, there are handheld, tangible resources you can use. Um, it just goes to show that if you have PTSD, you are not alone. You are not alone. People are focused on helping you and you can get better. I love that. And yeah. you may have just answered my, my last question for you. <laughs> if you had any parting advice to those that have walked through a tragedy or a trauma and wherever they're at in their journey, what would your advice be to them? And maybe it's what you just said. I mean, start small, be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. Even if it is just going outside, laying in your grass and looking up, mm -hmm. the world is so much bigger than what you're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And you will, you will heal. It will take time 
and you'll need to take care of yourself, but you will get through it. And I believe that with like my whole being, I believe that. Elena, you are such a gift. You have been through so much, but I have immense gratitude for you that you have not only been able to navigate your journey, but you're helping so many other people with theirs. You just, you will never know the full extent of your impact. We never know all of the people's lives were changing and saving, but I have no doubt that yours is vast and wide. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's true. So if people want to reach out to you, can they, on your website, can they? Yeah, they definitely can. Yeah. So um, my website is stillbloomingme.com. Instagram, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So um, my handle's at stillbloomingme. You can email me through either the website or Instagram or direct message me and I'm pretty responsive. So Awesome. Well, it has been such an honor. I have been so excited and geeked out that you were willing to talk with me. And I, oh my gosh, it was just exceeded my expectations of how amazing you are. So if you have not followed Still Blooming Me, you definitely need to go follow her. Check out her website because it's absolutely gorgeous. And it has been just so wonderful getting to visit with you. And I hope that we can continue to connect and talk yes, again because I, I have just learned so much from you. I was over here feverishly <laughs> making notes.